How to transform your passion into a successful startup. Welcome to Lead, an inspiring podcast that focuses on the creative spirit inside us all. Jocelyn Bellows interviews accomplished entrepreneurs about overcoming obstacles and achieving greatness. Join us today and lead into a fulfilling and successful life. Hi, everyone, and this is Jocelyn, and welcome to another edition of Leap. Today, joining me is Brad Appel, and Brad is the Executive Director for Wish for Wheels. So, Brad, first and foremost, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you, Jocelyn. Thanks for having me. It's an uh, awesome day in Denver today. Absolutely. And we actually, just as we were getting on this call, it's so nice out that I just said, after we're done here, I'm going out for a bike ride. So, mm, sorry, jealous. guys. <laughs> jealous, jealous, jealous. <laughs> But I'm glad at least one of us is doing that. <laughs> I'll ride for both of us. I'll, right, I'll, hold, I'll hold you in spirit. You should that ride sound? for other listeners, too. Uh, I love that. I love that. I'll see how many I can carry. Awesome. <laughs> so, um, to get started, I'd love for you to download uh, for us what Wishfield Wheels is and what you do. Sure. So, we're a nonprofit. We're based here in Denver, but we go anywhere in the U.S. And we give brand new bikes and helmets to second graders in low-income Title I elementary schools. So Title I elementary school is 40% or higher subsidized lunches. And some of these kids are getting up to four meals a day out of these elementary schools, uh, breakfast, lunch, snack, and a take-home dinner. Some of them don't even eat on weekends. And we partner with companies who fund our bikes. They come out and assemble the bikes through a team building experience. Could be a happy hour, or it could be a true team build with communication play or extended learning. Jeopardy-style games, big wheel races, bring clients, bring customers, build with the kids, bring family and friends, whatever. Um, after the company funds the bikes, they assemble them, and then they come with us, and they meet each second grader in the Title I school, and they give a brand-new bike and a helmet from that company to each second grader in the school. That is phenomenal. Thank you. It's awesome. And I, I'll be honest, um, so I, I have the good fortune of actually be recording with you live, which yeah. is unusual. I completely just got full body goosebumps. Great. Um, I think that's just a wonderful thing. Yeah. So it's a transformative thing. We'll talk through that in a, as well. Yeah. So I love to learn why. Why mm. was this your thing? Oh, this was my thing because I grew up, so I'm 48. I know I don't look it um, right now, but um, <laughs> the, <laughs> there's no gray hair, guys, I promise. Because <laughs> I have a face for radio. But, um, <laughs> but we, uh, I grew up in Westchester County, New York, and I grew up at a time where I rode my bike everywhere. And my mom used to tell me to not come home to the streetlights come on and that there was nothing for me at home on the weekends and that I should go find my friends and get out and go explore. And we never had cable TV growing up and I rode with all my friends and that's what we did on weekends. I mean, we were free spirits. And so I really like bikes. I love bikes. I like kids and I really love bikes. So I, years ago, I started Wish for Wheels in 2005 and I said, well, I'm just gonna give away some bikes. I'm gonna find some kids who who need bikes and who are, you know, whose parents can't afford it. And I said, well, let's, what, what can I do to really move their needle? And uh, Wish for Wheels was born out of that. And we grew, our first year we did 68 bikes. And the next year we did two schools. And then we did three schools. And then we did four schools. And we used to be really based on donors. donors. So if you were on my holiday card list or my wedding list or 
you were a friend of anyone else that I knew whose holiday card list I could get my hands on, I would send you a, a letter in the mail in January and say, would you like to donate some money to Wish for Wheels? We're going to build bikes for, at the, at the time we were doing kindergartners because they were so cute and they all got training wheels and everybody loves a little kindergartner. But we, as, as our program evolved, second grade really made more sense for a lot of reasons. And we really developed into an intentional mission of just second grade in low-income Title I schools and not even through donors or grants, through corporate philanthropy and team building. So WISH started years ago and through what I call a change in my life trajectory. Um, I, sometimes I call it a punch in the face, but I went through like five big things in my life uh, over the, a couple of years. And two of the biggest was, you know, financial ruin with my building company during the, you know, in 2009 through 2011, a divorce, a change in a lot of, you know, community involvement and other things. Again, five big things. And um, I said, well, what do I really want to do? Like, what's going to feed my soul? And what can I do that is really a Brad thing? Like, this is the Brad Appel who really wants to be out in the world doing this. And Wish for Wheels just kept bubbling up as something that I loved, 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 loved. And I came on full time. So I've been around for about four years full time. I am the founder and executive director, so I started in 05. But um, when I came on, we did about 100 to 200 bikes a year. Last year, we did over 6,200 in 15 different states. That's incredible. Thank you. We're getting there. That's such a, an and impact. Chipping away, chipping away. And so how do you then take that and continue your, your, to drive your mission? I mean, yeah. what kind of publicity are you doing? What kind of, what avenues are you using to spread your word and spread your mission? Yeah. So we really have two programs at Wish Your Wheels. Our partner program, which is all based on corporate philanthropy and team building. So we sell bikes. We have a, between, it's myself, two other salespeople at Wish Your Wheels. And we go to companies and pitch our model and say, look, for $110 a bike, you come on board with us, you fund these bikes, we'll put on an event for you, you tell us what you want it to look like, we'll facilitate the whole thing, team building, employee engagement, client event, customer appreciation, whatever. We've had commercial realtors show properties to you buy a car at Audi Denver, they fund a bike with every car that they sell. Then we invite the buyer back into the showroom and build bikes with them and their family and friends once a quarter to real estate brokers who you sell a house instead of giving a bottle of wine fund a bike with wish for wheels and then we bring that buyer and and their real estate team back together with other buyers from that real estate group and we all now building a bigger community together and we're all doing this social good together through a nonprofit piece and through a community that we're all developing so that's how we that's our main model like we're out looking for funding, funding bikes, funding bikes. I say selling bikes, but we're really funding bikes, right? And since we're a nonprofit, it's tax deductible. Companies love it. They get a, they get a team build and employee engagement, and it's less expensive than taking your entire team drinking or out to dinner. And they get a double touch point where they meet the kids, they, they get to go out into the community, they meet the community that they're part of, and every year they can do the same school every, you know, because it's always a new set of second graders. And then you come back the second year with us and all the third graders are going to ride up and thank you again because you gave them a bike last year and they've all been riding. 
come back, you know, a, th a second, a third year, and all the fourth graders and third graders are going to show up as you're giving second graders bikes. So our bike is is big enough where it can go all the way almost to fifth, and if you're as short as I am, you can go almost to sixth grade. <laughs> <laughs> Been there too. I totally <laughs> read you on that. Yeah. So as you continue to build Wish for Wheels, what is one of the things that really catches you on your dark moments, like when you have challenges, because you're a nonprofit, and yeah. I certainly, I know I've spent quite a number of years in nonprofit myself. Um, but when you have, and even as an entrepreneur, right? How There's do you overcome? Yeah, how do you how do you overcome some of those those moments? Or if you could first illustrate a particular challenge and then go through it, walk us through it. Yeah, you know, growth is really hard, and growth is really hard when you don't really expect that that was going to happen ever. Like, I didn't think Wish Worlds would be where we are. I wouldn't be able to sit here and tell you that we've given away over 60,000 brand new bikes and helmets since our inception. Like, that was never part of my vernacular that I was going to be like, oh, we did like 68 bikes our first year. Well, how do you go from 68 bikes to, six, you know, over 60,000? Like, it's mind-boggling to me. But it happens, and that's how growth works. And so for us... Challenges are really in just that growth in the, oh, we didn't plan on that. Like, I didn't plan for, you know, wish to be a four-lane highway. We only built a one-lane road, right? So, you know, we're a team of six now, and we're growing through challenges of structure, processes, budgeting. Um, you know, thank God we continue to have revenue and more companies get involved and more companies, you know, continue with us all the time. Um, but you got to get back to the, just the first, you got to always be like, for me, I'm always hungry, always hungry for more, always hungry for the challenge. Um, even no, even, even when it's super challenging or it's totally my fault. So good example is we're a logistics company in a lot of ways. We load bikes in one place, bring them somewhere to get assembled, load bikes back, and bring them somewhere else to get given away. So we have trucks. And um, a couple of years ago, Jeppesen gave us this really nice 26-foot truck. And thank you, Jeppesen. We love you. And it's an older truck. So I just kept dumping money into it, thinking that we could solve it. And, oh my God, it was a free truck. How could I not make this work? Instead of just biting the bullet and buying another truck that I knew we needed. So, um, you know, I, it was almost like penny wise and pound foolish where I just kept repairing the truck, repairing the truck, repairing the truck. And then it cost twice as much as just going out and getting another truck. And then I'm like, oh my God, that's totally my fault. Like I just overspent what I shouldn't have overspent on because I thought I could control it. So like in those dark moments, like where you're like, oh man, um, I, first of all, I ride my bike a lot. So I either jump on a bike ride, I might meditate, I might just hug my kids and tell them I have, how badly I messed up. Um, I might hug a friend and tell them how badly I messed up. I'm telling all of you I messed up. So like, you just get it out of your system. Um, people make mistakes, you know, you move on. We now have another truck, all solved. Yeah, I think you illustrate though, a different aspect that I heard is, and you sort of referenced it, as entrepreneurs, and especially in the early days when money may not be as 
prevalent. Um, you may be still waiting for the, that first big paycheck to come through or wherever you are. Uh, we often look to what's the least expensive way to fix the problem. And that's what I heard in this. You had yes. a donation and you were doing everything you can to hold on to that sal- to, for salvation of that donation, of that contribution that was made Correct. to you. Correct. Rather than sort of taking a step out of the box and saying, okay, what's the best investment that we can make for the growth of our business. Right. And that is exactly, you're spot on with, the, with, with all of that because that's the mistake that was made, right? Like, let's Band-Aid this baby together even though the marathon of, the, of Band-Aids is going to be way more expensive than tearing the Band-Aid off and just getting a new Band-Aid. Mm-hmm. However, of course, here we are, and that's hindsight, Yep. So lessons for all you entrepreneurs out there that are listening, uh, learn from our own fails, right? right? We exactly. all, and we all have them. They're yep. never, you know, I'm, you know, Brad, you're not exclusive to failure. Yeah. I am also not as, as a third time entrepreneur, not right. new to failure. Yeah. You, you put it forth and see what sticks as I like to call it. You throw the spaghetti right. at the wall and some of it sticks and Lots of it falls to the ground. Absolutely. <laughs> and failure is the best teacher. It's a terrible thing. You know, failure is such a hard word. You're like, failure. You know, oh, I'm such a failure. I failed at this. I failed at that. Or my business failed. Or failure. And it's such a hard word to say and a hard word to accept. But if we don't fail, we'll never succeed. Because no one ever is good out of the gate. I mean, everybody fails. I mean, you could even look at the, if you don't know the KFC story, go look at the KFC story. Do you know the KFC story of Colonel Sanders? I don't know that I do. Yeah. Do you mind sharing? He's an incredible failure. He tried to kill himself and couldn't even kill himself. Oh. He, like, failed under a tree twice trying to kill himself. He, like, couldn't do this. His wife left him. His kids left him. He didn't, KFC didn't, he didn't start KFC till he was, like, in his almost 70 years old. And he started it because he had nothing else to lose and he knew he could fry a chicken. So he fried a chicken with his last, the last money he ever had and sold it to his neighbor who said it was the best chicken they've ever eaten and ordered another one from him right then and there. And then the next thing you know, he was delivering fried chickens in his neighborhood and then he opened a store and then KFC was born. So, I mean, the guy failed for almost 70 years of his life and went through tremendous failure and heartbreak and pain. I mean, you can only imagine the pain that brings you to trying to kill yourself under a tree where you can't even do that right, and then you fail again. And, and then out of sheer necessity comes success. Yeah. So it's, it's a tough story. I mean, Lincoln was the same thing. Like, you know, Abraham Lincoln had a you know, failed as well throughout his whole life. And then look how famous he is, right? I mean, it's amazing that you just got to keep digging and just keep knowing that it's okay to fall down a hundred times. You just have to get up a hundred and one of them. Yeah. Which actually, thank you for setting me up for that because the next next place I was going to go was never giving up, right? Continuing forward. And, And recently I know, I saw it on my Facebook feed a handful of times. There was a, a cartoon strip that came out and it was a um, picture of two miners. And one, you know, they're both mining for diamonds. Mm-hmm. And one is one strike away. He's one strike away from getting to that pot of gold. Right. And he gives up. And the other one 
continues forward and finds that treasure. Yes. So I asked then of you, Yeah. How, what has that been for you? Like the mm. continuing forward and certainly you've had failures. You probably had lots of no's. Yeah. Yeah. Can we talk I, about some of those? Sure. A no is only one more ask for a yes. And I have a, I have a firm belief in asks because um, someone said this to me a long time ago. This is definitely not mine, but um, I like, I love to share it. We're always at a no unless we ask, and then we have an opportunity for a yes. But even if they do give us a no, we're still where we started, which was a no. So what do you have to lose? The only thing you have to lose is your ego, is letting go of your ego or letting go of that, that stinging feeling of the no. And if they say no, you just kind of laugh and go, okay, well, maybe I'll ask again later. And maybe it's not a no about you. Maybe it's not a no about your business. Maybe it's not a no about Wish for Wheels. Maybe it's just a no because my timing was poor and I should ask again later. Like it's the magic eight ball that comes back and says, ask again later. <laughs> but you don't know what that is. So you ask all, I ask all the time. I ask tons and tons. I get no's all the time because it's, that's, that's okay. It's right back to where I started anyway. So always make that ask. Yeah. Yeah, we get tons of no's. I mean, it's, and for us, it's a numbers game. S funding is a numbers game. Sales is a number game. If you're selling a widget, and you you gotta you gotta sell that widget to a thousand people just to get maybe one sale, but that first sale is always the hardest. And the more you're invested, and the more happy you are with that one sale, and remember that feeling of that first time or whatever it is that you're delivering, like. When I'm talking to companies and I'm talking to people who are decision makers who can fund our bikes and do, do our program, I resonate heavily with the look on the kids' faces, the feeling that I have, the thank yous and the hugs that I get from total strangers, whether it's a parent of the kid, to school administrators or faculty, to the employees of the companies who came out to say, Oh my God, this is the best day I've ever had at Google. I can't believe it. And I'm like, really? It's the best day you've ever had at Google? Like, <laughs> I you have a free cafeteria <laughs> with an award-winning chef and you can get a filet mignon anytime you want. Oh, and by the way, you probably make a pretty good living. And you probably make a pretty good living. <laughs> and this is the best day? And they're like, yes. Oh my God, this is the best day. Like, I love my team. And I had this girl and she was crying and I helped her ride her bike for the first time ever. And I felt the love from that girl or that little boy and I could just see it in the community and, and I just know what that's like. And I'm like, wow, okay, amazing, like thank you. And then it humbles me even more. And, it, and then I remember the, how I feel in that humbled, loving moment. And then when I'm talking to a company about it, I can really articulate what that was like and really say to them like, I had a Google employee tell me this was the best day they ever had or this, you know, this or that. And I've seen these kids do this or um, we have another program at Wish called our cycling club team. And if you live in Denver, you should come ride with us because we have about 180 of us and we ride anywhere from beginner on up. We ride road and mountain almost every night uh, during the spring, summer and fall and definitely on weekends. So there's my little pitch for that. But um, we, there's a great program in Denver called Front Rangers, and they take kids riding. And this year, they, their big drive was to get kids to train and ride and do part of, or as much as they could, of Ride the Rockies. 
and Ride the Rockies is a six-day stage ride where you ride an average of about 80 miles a day and you start in one place in Colorado and you end up somewhere else like six days later. So there's a kid named Paul and Paul, Wish for Wheels gave Paul his first bike when he was in second grade. And now Paul came over to me last year at Ride the Rockies at a rest stop and he's like, hey Brad, how's it going? And I'm like, Paul? Like... What are you doing here? And I knew, I knew Paul for years after we gave him a bike. Um, and I'm like, what are you doing here? And he's like, I'm riding with front rangers. Today's my third day at Ride the Rockies, and I've been doing all the whole route, and I'm excited to go. And I rode with Paul on the third day, and I was like, Paul, this is awesome. And he's like, I know. You guys gave me my first bike, and I rode it every day, and now I'm on Ride the Rockies. And things like that can happen. And if you get one Paul a year, it's worth it. But we get way more than one Paul a year. What resonates with me is how closely you're tied, you're tied to your purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's how we sort of started the conversation was, why did you do, why, did, why was this your why? And I'm curious your thought on how important is it important number one to be tied to purpose Mm -hmm. and how does that play out for you in your business Hmm. well it depends on what the purpose is Mm -hmm. you know if you're a salesperson and you can sell ice to eskimos and your purpose is just the money then at least you have a purpose like but you have to have some purpose i love the fact that my purpose is from my soul not just for my wallet. And, you know, I work, I work in a nonprofit, so it's not tied to my wallet. It's tied to my soul. But anyone who is an entrepreneur or starting out or something like that, if you want to make a lot of money and you're not attached to how you're going to make a lot of money, you're not going to make a lot of money and you're not going to be successful because you should just go sell widgets and, and tie that to your wallet. But I think your purpose is really important. And I think that's the key is to really be able to sell it, grow it, and love it every day enough that you're purpose-driven. And it's hard to be purpose-driven. A lot of people, I mean, I was lost. Look, I was a home builder. I was an IT guy. I was a serial entrepreneur. I started the first online city guide in Denver that, that failed. I helped start Main Street Pedicabs downtown in the early 90s and I loved that job but it wasn't really my purpose. I've waited tables, I've worked in the back of house and restaurants, I've dug di- I've stacked lumber, I mean, had a lot of jobs but um and I was an IT guy and I was a home builder and you know, but still purpose driven no matter what it is. Like it, it's important to be purpose-driven, but it's hard to find that purpose, and you just got to look for it. And there's a lot of tools out there and a lot of things. And one of the ways of finding your purpose is just to keep doing different stuff until you really find what you love or find what or work where you love, right? So my first job ever when I was 14, um, I told my mom I want to go to the movies. She told me to go get a job. So I was like, well, God, where should I work? Where should I work? What, what do I do? And my sister says to me, well, where do you like to go? Like, you should go work in a store that you like to go to because then you're always in a store you like to go to. And I was like, well, I don't really, like, I'm a 14-year-old kid. I was kind of gawky. I was like, I definitely wasn't, like, into clothes or 
music. And I was like, well, I like food. She's like, well, what about working in like a food store? Like you like that. So my first job ever was at this place called the Hartsdale Cheesery, which was in Hartsdale, New York. And it was like a gourmet food store. We made our own, we had like 32 different types of cream cheeses that we made in the back. And we had like bagels and locks and high-end gourmet deli foods and all this stuff. And I was like, I like food. Let's go there. And they hired me. And my first day, I like scrubbed the fish case, like, because they were like, oh, you're a 14-year-old kid. Get in this fish case. And here's the toothbrush. You're small enough. You can fit. You're small <laughs> enough. Get in there, right? We haven't done this in 30 years, <laughs> right? But I loved it there. I mean, not only did they treat me like gold and they taught me a lot of great stuff, but I liked going there. So then I learned, wow, I really do like retail. I like a customer-facing thing. I'm the type of person that I want to talk to the person I'm working with or selling to or waiting on, whatever that is. And then I and then there were days when I was like in the back making cream cheeses. And those were the days I didn't like because I wasn't talking to anybody and I was secluded and alone and I'm a people person. So I want to be talking to you. And it taught me a lot of different things so that as I moved on with my life, it was like, where should, else should I work? Well, if I go to a restaurant, do I, I like front of house because I'm talking to people and waiting on them versus back of house where I'm back again secluded. So you just got to you got to try out a lot of things. And if you're in your purpose right now, you know, just stay hungry with it and just remind yourself that the purpose is the key and it feeds your soul, not your ego. I'm so glad that you shared that. Thanks. I, you, to me... I believe that purpose is your driver because then the days, those challenges that when you're just don't want to pick up that, you know, shovel to keep digging, mm -hmm. the purpose is what keeps you digging. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And you have no idea how close you are to, to your goal, right? Yeah. You don't. Right? No, you never do. Unless, unless someone else has a crystal ball out there that wants to share it with me. Right. <laughs> I'll give you my address offline. Um, exactly. But send in the reality, send a lot of numbers. <laughs> <laughs> that's what. That's what keeps you going. That's your motivator. Right. Yeah. As long as you're centered with it. Yes. And I. And it's so funny when you when you talk start talking about your first job. It really actually reflected upon me. My first real job when I was a teenager. Right. And I remember my friends all going out and just working wherever. Yeah. And that wasn't me. I actually worked at a clothing store because I loved clothes. Mm, Chewy, excellent. You know? What, what was the name of the store? Oh, gosh. It was called Bass Clothing. So uh -huh. the Bass Shoes, at one point yeah. in time, they actually had a clothing um, store as well. Oh, they did? Yeah. Oh, wow. And growing up in New Jersey on the East Coast, uh -huh. we're fellow East Coasters, mm -hmm. um, there was an outlet store, and, that's, and, and it took me months and months and months to realize what I wanted to do. Where all like well my friends just went anywhere and I was like, I can't do that. I can't do that, right? It just didn't fit for me. Yeah, so I need purpose. Yeah. So right. it's funny. Thank you for lighting that uh, up for me because I'd forgotten. It's been buried for, you know, twenty some odd years. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> You're so young. Oh <laughs> uh, listen, I will be forty two in a heartbeat. Oh. So I promise you we're in the I'll same some, bracket. I'll take some of that blood. I'll mix it in with mine. I'll just <laughs> take the average and make it younger. There you go. Right. Just, um, we're life experienced is what life, I call it. Of course. Life experience. Yeah. And that's what it is. I mean, it's that purpose. And you just got to remember that, like, I'm very grateful. I am extremely grateful for the opportunity and the direction that brought me to Wish for Wheels full time. I'm grateful to everybody and anybody who has helped support Wish. 
grow us, stay in, stay connected to us, you know, work here at Wish for Wheels, volunteer, run our club, volunteer with us, do anything, promote us, put us out there, like anything, right? I'm grateful for all of that. Um, but I'm so humbled that I was able to really find my path and find what I love to do every day. I mean, not only do I get to give away bikes, I get to ride my bike a lot. And those are the two things that are so inherently me, right? Mm -hmm. The generosity and love and the happiness I can feel when I'm on my bike or doing something that is around bikes. So, yeah. 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 So beautiful. And I have to share this, and I think I've shared this with you already. Mm You and I, I actually found you on LinkedIn before moving to Colorado. Mm-hmm. And in truth, I'm not quite sure how how we were even connected. I don't think we even had any LinkedIn connections right. any more than at the time. Uh, I was a part owner of a bicycle shop, so biking was part of my you know, my career path. Although, yeah. And it was birthed out of a passion really from uh, my former spouse. And I came across your profile and I wrote to you right away and I was like, I want to know more about what you're doing. This is going back over two years now. Right. This was many, many months before we even made the move to Colorado. Mm-hmm. So I'm ecstatic that we're having this conversation, yeah. that it's come to fruition, and that I now get to be a little more in Brad's world. And I love, love, love what you're doing as a parent of a four-year-old who's very fortunate he grew up, he literally was born in a bike shop, not literally born in the bike shop, but uh, he was a week old when he first was in the bike shop. I, I was ready to dive in and be like, so tell that story. Yeah, that's a story for another day. No, I was in a hospital, I promise y'all. Um, got the epidural and everything, okay, no TMI. But all these ladies out there have been there, you know what I'm talking about. Um, having those wet towels on the, on the, on the truing rack, it's fine. Right. Yeah, exactly. No big deal. But as a week, you know, as a week old, he was around bikes. And so he at, at three and a half was riding a bike without training wheels because, you know, he had that good fortune. Right. Um, I have such strong memories as a kid myself growing up, you know, probably not too dissimilar from how you grew up, um, being in a neighborhood and my freedom was my bike. Yeah. Because right. you know, I grew up in the country, and that was right. the only way you got out. So thank right. you for... And how you found all your friends, because phones yeah. were like... At my house, you called my house, and my sister was on the phone. So <laughs> right. it didn't really matter. Like You had to go find your friends that way. Yeah. Because right? all my friends' sisters were on their phone, probably talking to my sister. There you go. Right. There you go. So yeah. thank you for continuing that. Thank you very much. And I want to yeah. wrap um, on this is... How can people support you? First of all, how can people find you? Okay. How can they support you? Yeah. Um, well, wishforwheels.org is a great start. Um, if you're interested in a cycling club, wishforwheels.org as well, or wishforwheels cycling club on Facebook uh, is one way. Um, support comes from anything from get your company involved, let us pitch to you guys, come out and fund bikes with us, build bikes with us figure out how you can get involved with funding bikes in some way because we're always driving that. Um, one thing I didn't talk about too much was we have an evaluation program current in a five-year evaluation program in the works with DPS and Colorado Department of Education where every incoming second grader in all of Title I will get a new bike and helmet from us 
every year for the next five years. And we're looking at test scores and attendance and playground usage, behavior, or counting bikes and bike racks. And our entire BHAG, Big Hairy Audacious Goal, is that we're going to be hitting the, the entire metro area of Denver as well. So if you're in Denver, uh, come help, come fund, build, and give bikes with us through your company, through your own business. Um, be, let's be creative. Let's throw a party. Who even knows? Um, so get involved with us that way. If you're out of if you're out of Denver, we go anywhere in the U.S. Um, and of course, just get involved. Like, reach out to me and be like, "Hey, I really love what you're doing. I heard about I, you know, heard you on this podcast, and I really want to get involved. And we can chat from there. I respond to everybody. I'm always open to crazy ideas. Sometimes the best ideas lead to the best ideas, and sometimes the worst ideas lead to the best ideas. But you never really know. So figure out how you want to get involved and reach out. Awesome. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for this edition of Lee. To learn more about Lee, the podcast and coaching services, please join us on our Leap Facebook page at facebook.com slash what's your Lee.